Get ready for Crack the Customer Code, your audio guidebook for creating incredible customer journeys. So, Adam, I think one of the things that we often discuss here is about that age-old question of, is it all about hiring the right people who are just the right people by nature? Or is it all about the training for customer service? And in in the question is the flaw because it's not all yep. about either of them. <laughs> exactly. But that question comes up and it's a, it's we... A, you know, it's the same question as nature or nurture. It is obviously yeah. both. Why, why pick? Why dichotomy? Yeah. Other than yeah. to make the movie Trading Places, that was worth it. But still. <laughs> Past that, I'm not sure what we get out of the conversation. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's one of the things that we touch upon in the interview that we have today, where we kind of go through a few different big topics around customer experience and customer service with Micah Solomon, who has been around for a while, who has written several books. His latest book is out now. And we talk about kind of these these far-ranging things that we've all dealt with, right? And so what are some of the ways that we can tackle it? And I think he brings a lot of great ideas to the table for anybody listening today. Oh, for sure. My, yeah, Micah's a uh, you know, longtime expert, uh, really added a lot uh, online and in books um, to the customer experience conversation. And, and you know, close to my heart, uh, still talks a lot about you know, some of the traditional customer service things that, you know, I'm always, we're both preaching, but yeah, that really preaching that still matter even in this age of oh, customer experience and journey maps and all that right mm-hmm. that, you know we still have interact we still have interactions <laughs> at yes. a point at a point in those journey maps that matter uh and yes. that require those traditional customer service skills and strategies so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it was it's great we we really did cover a lot of ground so i think let's just hop right in let's get to it let me tell you about our guest today micah solomon is one of the world's leading authorities on customer service, the customer experience, consumer trends, hospitality, and company culture. He's a consultant, keynote speaker, trainer, and training designer in these subjects, and the author of many books, including his most recent book, Ignore Your Customers and They'll Go Away, (laughs) the simple playbook for delivering the ultimate customer service experience. Solomon is a senior contributor to Forbes.com, and his expertise has been featured in the New York Times. Times, Harvard Business Review, Inc., Bloomberg Business Week, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Micah, we're so thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jeannie and Adam. You're there too, right? I am here. Th- yeah, thanks so much. Great to have you on the show. Um, and we're going to jump right in because we all talk about customer service and customer experience all the time. So I'm going to ask the question here, why is customer service such a pain point for customers? That's the easy one. But why is it such a pain point for businesses as well? Well, I think all three of us are kind of the kind of people who uh, have a, we have a hammer, so we always hear about the nail problems, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm sure there are many other problems for business, but the 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 funny thing is that by objective standards, customer service is wait for it better than it has been in the past <laughs> but you sure don't hear this from customers right and the reason is that as we who help businesses have helped them improve their standards of customer service expectations just keep going higher and higher i mean for for really quantifiable things like speed of service uh, speed of delivery and so forth things are dramatically better than they were uh, even even just a few years ago, but people aren't aren't feeling this. P- 
partly because I think we're not getting the human touch part as right as we should. And partly because um, competitors just keep raising the bar. I mean, I did an interview the other day and the gentleman was saying, Oh yeah, but at, but Amazon can do this, and I I finally said, well, you have to be aware of what Amazon does. But but for me to come here and say, oh, you can be as good at Amazon at all these things is like saying you can you can have your own moon launch, right? Right. <laughs> it's just you. It is true that they set the standard. It's absolutely true, mm-hmm. and you have to be aware of that. But there are also ways that a smaller company, and we are all smaller companies. Uh, can bring something special to it that Amazon just doesn't have the time for. Right. Well, you can't, and you, so can't what, you can't beat Amazon at being Amazon, right? Right. No, right. For, right. for all sorts of legitimate and anti-competitive reasons. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you say to those business owners who say, you know, because we've all heard these phrases, right? Like, we want to be the Uber of mops or whatever. <laughs> it's like they say these things because they're trying to be the Amazon of whatever it is. And so what do you say to those leaders who are thinking, well, we want to be the, you know, Amazon of fish tanks or Mm. what have you? Well, I think you need to take what's best about that. That is realistic for your business. So you can, you can deliver it depends on your business, but you may or may not be able to deliver the next day. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can still support your customer's need for timeliness, which is really important. This is the principle of the cliff of dissatisfaction. I live here in the Seattle area, so I, I, I'm not really doing this uh, on purpose, but I'm going to mention another Seattle company, uh, Starbucks. So Starbucks has this internal metric, and no, they haven't shared me shared it with me but it's for the cliff of dissatisfaction. It's the number of minutes before you get waited on that it takes before a customer tends to get disappointed, tends to start to think Starbucks can't serve them quickly enough. And then another X number of minutes before they actually get their drink. So Starbucks monitors this really closely and you guys should as well in any kind of business because this metric of the cliff of dissatisfaction is different for every type of business. And if you literally can't go as fast as the customer wants you to, you still need to deal with it. You need to manage mm-hmm. their expectations. You need to get back to them right away to say it's going to be Friday until I can deliver. Is that okay? When they say, oh, yeah, that's fine. It's much better than waiting till Thursday night and telling them that you're going to be able to address their problem Friday. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. And that's a real quick, I'll just add that's a great point. You know, so often I think when you, especially out in like the blogosphere and things like that, you know, people talk about expectations as if they are fixed and they are certainly Mm. pre, they're certainly preconditioned, but you're right. We can't influence expectations with the customer. Mm -hmm. That's an important uh, strategy and technique and uh, something to be aware of if you're near the cliff, I guess, right? (laughs) Well, and I think defining what that cliff is is so important too, because for instance, I had a, Christmas a few years ago where I was waiting for one particular thing. I mean, for Santa to deliver. And of course, by Santa, I mean, a big company. And I, 
uh, had confirmed that it was going to be delivered on Christmas Eve, right? So I was really focused on the fact that, yes, you know, I had done it. I was the mom of all time by getting this thing. And I was waiting all day, all day, all day. And uh, the status update had not changed. And at eight o'clock at night, I still had not gotten that thing. Okay. And so I'm freaking out. I'm thinking about, do I have to run to Toys R Us or whatever? And then it arrived yeah, does Santa, finally. Does Santa give uh, you know IOUs. <laughs> oh, Santa does whatever it takes. <laughs> That's what I've learned. <laughs> but we, uh, I was waiting, and then finally it arrived. I think it was around ten o'clock at night when we were like, you know, doing things. And I thought, well, uh, yes, technically they checked the box and they delivered on the date that they said. But my expectation was it was going to be that day at least. Not when I might have already been in bed or, you know, all these scenarios that would have happened. So I think that part of what we tend to talk about in this field sometimes is, you know, dates and things like that. But I think we have to get a little more granular about what does that actually mean for the individual? So I love how you're talking about the cliff because by defining that, you can then work around that and set those better expectations. So cool stuff. I love geeking out with people. This is fun. Um, mm-hmm. So so when you talk about all of these ideas and, you know, we talk about these big ideas around a customer first approach, what does that really mean? And why is that so important to a company's success? So I try to get across to companies that I work with that the customer is at the center of the customer's universe. Unfortunately, Adam and Jeannie and me and the person on the front lines, you're never going to be as important to the customer as they are to themselves. So what do you do about this? Well, I think you can either kind of bristle against it and think, wow, we got narcissistic customers or you can lean into it. And since all they're thinking about is themselves anyway, and by themselves, I mean themselves, their kids, the spouse they're trying to please. Uh, that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. But let's just call that them. So you can either bristle against it or you can really lean into it. And I think it's much better to lean into it. Uh, so Mrs. Schmidt, nah, it's not. Let's say Mrs. Smith calls. Uh, <laughs> that will keep me off. Gotta have the right name for the example. It's important. Yeah. Uh, let me say <laughs> Mrs. Banderas. So Mrs. There Banderas calls it. <laughs> and um, Melanie. Antonio's mom. That's a, we're good. Yeah, right. There so you An- go. Antonio's mom calls in uh, and she, and, and, and you just know this one thing about her. Well, lean into it. So say, oh, hello, Ms. or Mrs. Banderas. I was just thinking about you. Are you holding steady at 12 cats or have you gotten up to 13? <laughs> So the reality is she's a colorful character. You were talking about her in the office maybe a month ago. You weren't talking about her right then, but that it will sound believable to the customer because she's thinking about her cats all the time as well. So I think you can really lean into that. So customer focus is really important because once you start to look at things from the customer's point of view, you will end up changing your processes and your standards and deciding that, well, you know, when, when Jeannie says she wants it Christmas Eve, she doesn't literally mean <laughs> 11.59 PM. So right. I, I, I do think that's really important. Now being customer focused 
in the the kind of company cultures I try to uh, set up should not be set should not exist without also being employee focused and vendor focused. So everyone who takes care of the customer is also very important. But you can speak your internal jargon and you can be less formal and blah, blah, blah with your internal customers. External customers are a little different. They are the out group and you need to do what you can to make them feel like the in group. Yes, but I mean, I, I mean, when you're talking about culture, you're talking about essentially, you know, in the companies we work with, the same thing, you're having the ethic throughout, right? And you're having this customer centric ethic towards internal customers and external customers towards all sorts of different stakeholders because it's in the in the end I mean you have to treat them all differently there's different you know priorities and strategies of course but in the end it's it's sort of a cultural focus right is that what you're saying I'm saying that I don't want to build a company where it's uh, only focused on the external customers and then you beat down your in, your internal quote unquote customers, you don't treat them as customers at all. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, because you can't. I mean, in the end, because it's sort of you know, <laughs> if you're just taking care of customers just for profit, you're never going to take care of customers, right? I well, mean, exactly. That's, because yeah. because well, there is one big exception to this, but by and large, that's absolutely true. And if if you empower your employees to give better service, they're still not going to use that empowerment if if at the end of the day, and I sort of mean that literally instead of as a cliche, if at the end of the day, you give them a hard time for taking a few more minutes on certain phone calls or for using some petty cash to solve a customer problem on the spot and so forth. Those are things you should be applauded for. Uh, the head of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company told me that you can't just uh, sprinkle on employee empowerment. And so it, it has, it's not that we're giving you this empowerment. It's your job to be empowered. It's your job to find creative ways to wow customers. And that is only going to work if your your employees are having a pretty good time themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we, we talk a lot about what you can do. What are some of the things that you think organizations get wrong? What are some of the mistakes that organizations make where they can't deliver on their customer experiences? Or don't. Or don't, uh-huh. or don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, they hire the wrong people. So, <laughs> so they hire the wrong people. Uh, so the right people to hire, the best way to do it, and I would like to see what you guys think, but the best way to do it, I think, if you have the money is to hire one of these great psychologically backed companies like Gallup or, um, Human X or Talent Plus, there's a, there's a bunch of them. And that's how the bigger organizations, even the medium-sized organizations in hospitality do it because it's so important. If you can't afford to do that, you can, uh, what, we, what we're trying to get at is the traits that make it most likely you will work well with customers. So that's the ideal way to do that. If that's too expensive, you can buy an off, off the shelf, uh, off the shelf pre-existing psychological profile, but don't be sure that that's going to work. Uh, first of all, make sure that whoever wrote it at least seems to be on the same page as you, seems to be looking for the same traits. 
once you feel good about that, then test it internally. So how do you test it internally? Well, you give the psychological profile to your best customer-focused employee, okay? And you also give it not to the worst employee, but to a perfectly okay, but not really standout employee. Now, don't, I have to trust you to not say to that employee, <laughs> hey, you know, you're, you're running the okay. note. That's why I'm having to take this. <laughs> Way to be average. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Hey, it's so paying off for this. <laughs> <laughs> so if this off-the-shelf tool can distinguish between these two, then it probably has some validity. If it doesn't, or sometimes they'll even give you the opposite results of what you're expecting, then it's not internally validated. Now, if you don't even want to spend the money on a tool like that, I can give you a quick and dirty rule of thumb, a rule rule of five fingers that is also pretty close to what you're looking for. However, I want to give you all the EEOC uh, caveats here, which is there are ways you can manage to be discriminatory whenever you're trying to do this stuff yourself, and you may not even realize this. Uh, traditionally, people hire people who are the same way they think mm-hmm. of themselves right. or or this Im- image they have them of themselves when they were younger. Um, I have a friend who wrote one of the two chapters on diversity and inclusion in my new book, Ignore Your Customers, and They'll Go Away. And he helps recruit... He helps companies uh, improve how they recruit for their boards. And he has the, uh, the opposite diversity problem is what you'd think. I mean, yeah, he has the problem getting them to look for people of different colors and, and genders. But in, in that situation, if he, if he has done tests with them and if he gives them a profile and the person is in their 30s, they're like, oh, there's no way that person's going to be a good fit for our board. We're thinking someone in their 50s. Um, so so we all fit people in these boxes and end up being rather discriminatory if we're just going on our gut. Now, here is the quick and dirty way to hire in very broad strokes for personality traits that are useful for customer service. So Jeannie and Adam... Imagine a big, wet dog, okay? <laughs> now, what color did I say the dog is? Big and wet. That's a color, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the big part's not important, but the wet part is important. And then we're going to put it, we're going to have it stand, wagging its tail, shaking off a little bit, I guess. The, the wet dog is going to shake its tail off outside of the Superstore Petco. So it's wet dog outside of Petco. And you're never going to forget now that my mnemonic for this spells Wetco. W-E-T-C-O. That was to get to the acronym. That's awesome. Exactly. Well, you know, an acronym is not so useful if it doesn't really conjure a picture. So I love it. That was beautiful. The first one, my thumbs spells warmth which is the w so warmth is just liking other people the e is empathy and this is being able to more or less sense what a customer is going to tell you i'm sorry what a customer is feeling even before they vocalize it the t is teamwork and this is a willingness to involve your team in finding a solution 
if if uh, if you hire someone who's really a do-it-yourself type person, that's great. But ideally, that will be a little bit tempered with a bias towards involving your team. The C is conscientiousness. That's a broad psychological trait. Uh, it just means detail-orientedness. So if your person is warm, oh, I really like you, Mrs. Smith. Em- empathetic, I really understand how much this means to you. T, teamwork, I'm going to involve my team and we're going to get back to you by Thursday. How does that sound? And she says, that sounds fine. But you don't have conscientiousness, which doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you neglected to write it down or put it into your CRM. Then nobody's going to call her back on Thursday and you really mm-hmm. weren't uh, an asset to your team. And then the last one is optimism. So what I'm talking about is an optimistic explanatory style. A pessimistic explanatory style is when a customer bites your head off and, you know, we love them, but they will do that sometimes. So they bite your head off and you, the agent, think, oh, I must have done something terrible. I'm going to call in sick for the rest of the day. I'm going to go home, crawl under the covers and, (laughs) you know, and I don't know, get get a job where I never have to talk to another person ever. Or you can have an optimistic explanatory style where you're a little stunned that this customer is mean to you, but you dust yourself off. You think, I think maybe she was having a bad day. I'm always open to improving. I'm going to go over the call with my manager, but I'm also going to, you know, sit up straight and take this next phone call. So that's an optimistic explanatory style. So warmth, Mm -hmm. empathy, teamwork, conscientiousness, and an optimistic explanatory style is approximately what you're looking for. Okay, fantastic. All right, well, we're sort of hitting time here. So I'm going to ask you one quick follow-up question to that because I love love the wet coat concept. I have two. uh, I'm in Florida with two dogs. They're often wet, so I'll run. (laughs) We have four and a cat and an outdoor goldfish. An outdoor goldfish. Outdoor goldfish. (laughs) Well, we do live in the, we do live in the, essentially in the rainforest here near Seattle. So yeah, an outdoor goldfish. (laughs) Otherwise known as a salmon. (laughs) Um, All right. So anyways, the follow-up is this. So I love the wet coast where we're we're talking about who should be on the bus, who uh, is a cultural fit. My theory is this, too often companies think that that is enough, that cultural fit is enough. And they feel like if they get the right person, they really don't need to train them. That, thank you. I just want to get your quick take (laughs) on that before we wrap. Well, boo. I, I mean, on the one hand, so here's a mistake companies do. They hire the youngest, greenest, often best looking person to be the receptionist and to answer the phones. That's wrong. That is not an entry-level position. The person you want, and I'm going to be a little sexist here, you want a mom or a grandmother, right? That's who should be your permanent operator. That is who should be answering the phone and also greeting customers in person because they do have this life experience and blah, blah, blah. But essentially, you're going to be hiring good people and they're going to be any different age and they're going to be all different genders and so forth but and it but it's not enough it's not enough to have the people who have these traits like take empathy so great they have a bias towards empathy in general but they still don't have what psychologists call psychological empathy oh wait wait no 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 that's psychological situational empathy situational right yeah <laughs> thank you and this is just as important so like if you're the a great healthcare institution like the Mayo Clinic you still have this problem where 
your support people on the phone are likely to be in a different building from where, you know, the blood hits the fan, right? They are isolated from, and I'm sure the blood never hits the fan at the lovely Mayo Clinic, <laughs> but... Uh, we'll go with that. We get it. <laughs> so, so what do you do? Well, you have a lot of training to to let them know what it's like to be hospitalized. One of my favorites, and they don't do this, but feel free to try this in your hospital and blame me. Have people <laughs> volunteer to drink two liters of water and then see how quickly, how much quicker time moves <laughs> when you're waiting to, to have help to go to the bathroom. Uh, yeah. So that's, wow. That's how you develop situational empathy. And I don't think any hospital really does that example, but it would work, guys. All they have to do is ask a pregnant woman how she feels because that's right. Have some people volunteer to get impregnated. In yeah. <laughs> so, oh my God. Um, well, this was a super fun conversation that you know. Now I'm going to be thinking about wet co and <laughs> the wet dog. <laughs> uh, so this was so fun. So thank you for joining us, Micah. And how can people find out about you? How can they connect with you? Tell us all of those things. So I'm a customer service turnaround expert. This means I come into your business, small or large, or like most of us, in the middle, and I help you. It depends how you think about it. I help you completely transform your customer service, or if you feel it needs a refresh, I come in and refresh it. Now, whichever end of that spectrum you think you're at, here's a tip. Tell your employees it's a refresh. If Jeannie or Adam or I come in, never be like, oh, you guys are doing a crap job. Here's what you <laughs> should be doing, right? Make it a refresh, even if, you know, what you feel like is refreshing some people out the door. Call it a refresh. So that's what I do. And if you want to reach me to do this uh, with my help, you just have to be super good at spelling biblical names. So it's Micah. <laughs> like the very minor profit. And I promise you, well, I don't promise you, but I'm going to help you make a major profit. But the minor profit, Micah, yeah, I'll be here all day or at least for the next 30 seconds. <laughs> Micah, M-I-C-A-H, Solomon, S-O-L-O-M-O-N.com. M-I-C-A-H-S-O-L-O-M-O-N.com. But if you want an easier link where you can get my new book, ignore your customers and they'll go away, the simple playbook for delivering the ultimate customer service experience. Um, well, of course, you can go to Amazon. Hopefully, you can go to your local bookseller if um, you know if, if it's still there. Um, <laughs> and you can get it right away, immediately. You can get it in hardback, Kindle, or the audiobook. And the audiobook's really good. They didn't let me read it, but the dude who did it does a great Micah Im uh, impression. So <laughs> recommend the audiobook as well. Now, if you want three free chapters, I have set up this I think hilarious URL for you. And it is ignore this book.com. Ignore this book.com. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we are not going to ignore this episode. I tell you what, we appreciate it. You dropped some great stuff in here, Micah. Congrats on the new book. And uh, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, oh my Micah. God, it was such a treat. It was way kicked the butt of GMA. I got to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, we're going to put that on our website now. Uh, yeah, so, What's your name? I'm someone who never sadly got to be on it. Or hasn't been on there yeah, we won't talk about that part, but okay. uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Micah. Oh, I got a review the other day. I mean, I, the actual review is really nice, but the cover note she sent me was, 
honestly, it was much better than I expected. People always ask me about their books and they're usually crap. It was much better than that. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to put that on my site. <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> well, we expected this episode to be good and it delivered. So we, so Jeannie, we, were, no, we still, were nowhere near the club. Okay, Jeannie, <laughs> if you're still stuck on writing your book, can I give you the secret? Sure. Okay. So if you are J.K. Rowling, which none of us are, you can plot out an entire book, you know, the backstory and the characters. Like she always knew that Dumbledore was gay, even though it never came up in the books. Right. But the rest of us, it's impossible to write a book. What you do is you tell yourself, well, I'm writing a blog post or I'm writing an article. Mm -hmm. And then after, and in your case, you already have, I'm sure. So after you get like 30 of them, well, you know, just take the 10 that are the best. Now you have your chapters and the rest is just rewriting and editing. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. What do you think? Right. Well, we got, if anybody stuck around for the end, you got some free publication there tips There you go. Too. There oh, you go. Right. I didn't know you poor nice. civilians were listening to this. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. that was free. <laughs> thank you. Right. Okay. okay. Thanks a lot. Well, I think we uh, solved all of customer experience issues at this point with our conversation with Micah. Was there anything we didn't cover in this episode? <laughs> I think we didn't really hone in on enough enough on how Jeannie almost ruined Christmas. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think we, we, did, we just didn't give, oh. that, give that topic the time it deserved. Quite Seriously. I, the, the funny part is I know every single parent listening has had an experience right. like that. <laughs> oh, so, panic. Just, I know. I'm sorry if I, I triggered the PTSD or you know anything like that because it really is um, a high anxiety situation when you feel like you can't deliver on that big thing. Uh, so yeah, that that's um, <laughs> something I'll always remember. Clearly, clearly, Aww, you're, su- you're, you're such a new breed kind of parent. You know, <laughs> back, <laughs> back in the day, I'd be like, "Do you have a job? Are you buying the present?" <laughs> Don't whine. <laughs> You're 10. You're old enough for the coal mines. Yeah, Get to exactly. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've really diverged. We th- this uh, conversation with Michael, we were diverging a lot. Now we've really diverged fully. <laughs> Somehow Jeannie went to child labor. I don't know how we did that. In the, in the 1800s, I guess. I don't know. Yes. But yes. anyways, yeah, it was a great conversation. Now, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for the record, I should add, I should have added this at the top, a full disclaimer. Uh, we do not know Antonio Banderas's mom. We do not know if she is married. <laughs> we do not even know if she's alive or if That's true. or how many or any cats she might potentially own. So <laughs> just a legal disclaimer about Antonio Banderas's mom. Thank you. I think we should have. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's, I mean, that's as good a place to wrap as any. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for uh, experiencing this with us, for listening to Crack the Customer Code. We are a proud C-Suite Radio member, so be sure to check out all the great business content at c-suiteradio.com and c-suitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our journey mapping programs, along with the touch points that go in the journey. There you That's go. Just Boom. You, Adam. Boom goes the dynamite. <laughs> Customer experience training, workshops, and speaking at experienceinvestigators.com. And I'm Adam Tork. You can find out about my keynote speaking or customer experience and customer service training and advisory at customersthatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.